All right. Hey, welcome to Mac Geek Gab for today's opening quick tip. It comes from Eric DSA in our Discord channel, and he says, not sure if this is new to iPad OS 16. Eric, it is. But if you slide up or swipe from the lower left corner of your iPad towards the upper right corner, it takes a screenshot. Amazing. I love it. Thank you for that. More tips like that. Plus your questions answered today on Mac Geek Out 953 for Monday, October 31st. Happy Halloween 2022. <laughs> Welcome to Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your tips like that, your questions, your cool stuff found. We answer your questions. We share your tips. We share your cool stuff found. We share some cool stuff found of our own. The goal being we put it together into an agenda. And then the goal is for each of us, you, me, John, Pete, when he's here, for all of us to learn at least Five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include coda.io slash MGG. Go there. Sign up for free. It's this cool tool that brings everything together into one document for all your projects. It's shareable. We'll talk more about that a little bit later. And HelloFresh at HelloFresh.com slash MGG65, where you can use code MGG65 to save 65% off plus free shipping HelloFresh is amazing. We'll talk more about that in detail later, too. For now, here in getting chillier, Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fairfield, Connecticut, this is John F. Braun. How goes it, Mr. John F. Braun? Yep, staying warm. Staying alive. Ah, 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 ah. Staying alive. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. It's, uh, yeah, it's just one of those days, I guess. Uh, I don't know where Pete is today. He's, he's out flying, I guess. So, you know, he's got to fly the airplane sometime. So, uh, shall we, anything to, should we just dive into the quick tips, John? Let's go. All right, go. It's time for Dave. All right. So we got one from Dave. Not me. Who says, uh, not him. Um, I recently had a need to merge a number of PDF files into a single PDF file. While I know I could use preview to merge PDF files, it's a manual process of dragging the thumbnails from one file to the other, and I was looking for an automated solution. Uh, my Google Foo failed me, but I stumbled across the solution myself by checking out the right-click options in the Finder and thought I'd send this in. Here's how to do it. Um, in the Finder, select all the PDF files that you want to merge. Then right-click and select Quick Actions, Create PDF. The resulting PDF file will be created with a version of the name of the first file. The create PDF command can also be used to create a PDF file from other types of files, like PNG files. Once I knew about this, I found the then I found the Apple support page that explained how to use um, this feature. That's I, I never thought of using actions that way. That like I like that. And what bothers me is that it's hidden. Is that if you right click. You'll see quick actions, and then you'll see a few of them. Okay. When you right-click, but you actually have to click on quick actions 
to reveal this create PDF thing. It doesn't show up with just a simple right click. So I found that kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder I wonder why they hide it like that. I mean, it. Mm -hmm. like, I do, too. Uh, yeah. 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 Well, I guess it it's one be something you want to advertise to people. Yeah. Although I guess if Apple advertised everything, I don't know. I mean, it, there is there is like, you know, information blindness, right? You, pr you present too many options and people will choose none of them. So I don't know. I, yeah. Nice. Fine, Dave. Good stuff. All right. Um, now we have not Dave, but David, still not me, who says, I've been struggling to upload photos from my iPad Pro uh, and an external drive for ages. And for whatever reason, the Photos app on the iPad won't allow this, even though I can see the drive and the photos in the Files app on iPadOS. However, in the new iCloud beta photos app in Safari, there is an upload link at the bottom. I clicked that and was able to select the files from my external drive, and it works. It even detects duplicates while it's uploading with my existing library. Yay! Hopefully, he says, this is a prelude to coming features in the Photos app on the iPad Pro. Yeah, that is kind of weird that it, like there's that disconnect. And, and I suppose this is, uh, this is sort of a, a, a common theme with iPad OS is that the iPad can do a lot, right? But you are limited by the barriers that Apple, I was going to say Apple puts up or that Apple doesn't take down, which I think is what's sort of happening in this case. Everything's sort of sandboxed except those things that aren't. And this is one of those things that still aren't sand, you know, uh, unsandboxed. And so... Yeah, it's just but it's a weird thing. And this is where that frustration of sort of using the iPad in lieu of a laptop comes in is things like this, where it's like, I can see it. it you can see it. Why can't you just do the thing that would make sense to do? But it's just it has to be built in as opposed to built out. And that's sort of the difference between the iPad and the Mac, I guess. I don't know. Or maybe I'm making it super confusing. But yeah, I like that idea of using iCloud um the iCloud Photos, you know, web app in Safari to to do it. That's smart. Nice find. Nice workaround. Nice hack, man. I like it. That is good. All right. You want to take us to Neil? Yeah. Let's <clears throat> see. Neil says, on a recent episode, Pilot Pete gave a quick tip for getting to the red flashlight from the control panel on Apple Watch by swiping the flashlight from the right in order to preserve night vision. The problem with this approach is that before getting to the red flashlight, the white flashlight comes on first and can very quickly interfere with night vision. Yes. Uh, an alternative approach that avoids this problem is to put the watch in theater mode, the two mask icon on the control panel or control center during the night. In this mode, the flashlight by default starts out red. Uh, uh, that's and huh. with and having a shiny new Apple Watch 8, Dave, I can verify that this indeed works. Fascinating. Huh. All right. I, I, that's that. I, that. It makes sense. I don't know why. I mean, again, it's, you know, I wish there was a, a way to say, please default the flashlight to, you know, whatever I want. The one thing we didn't mention last week is that you can strobe the flashlight, too. There's three options on the watch, right? There's There's just the white light. There's the red light, as we've mentioned, and then in the middle is strobing. So I don't. Uh, yeah. And I found that mode and it. 
Yeah, it, it gives you like an incredibly bright blinking white, which yeah. is almost like the opposite of the red is like, don't choose that. Yeah, don't cho- well, you want to annoy people <laughs> or have people find you like, uh, you know, I, I always kind of assume that that strobing was was to make yourself seen. Uh, mm-hmm. And and there might be scenarios where that's super important. So, yeah. Fun, fun. I like these tips. All right. Um, one last one is from listener Greg, who says, uh, let's see, I'm trying to make sure uh, you know, make, I'm, I'm reading the right thing. Yeah. He says, I just bought an iPhone 14 Pro Max, uh, deep purple, one terabyte. Great. Uh, it's a nice upgrade. Uh, he says. Regarding battery life on the 14 Pro and Pro Max, many reviews on YouTube talk about how fast the battery drains in their testing while spending the day with the iPhone uh, 14 Pro series. I saw the YouTube channel Max Tech's iPhone 14 Pro Max review, and he said he thinks the big reason is because of auto brightness, as the screen can go up to 2000 nits, but only when auto brightness is enabled. He said that he made a shortcut to get auto bright, get to the auto brightness settings faster so he can toggle it off to save battery power or to get to it faster when he may need the extra brightness when, say, being outside. He didn't say how he made the shortcut, but good news. Greg from L.A. figured it out by using some Google Foo to find the URL to open that setting much faster because it's kind of buried inside the settings app on the phone. Making this shortcut, he says, I figured it out on my own by using search shortcuts to find what I wanted. He attached a screenshot uh, that showed this shortcut, and indeed he did. But really, it's it's very simple. You just have it launch a URL in sh- in the shortcuts app, and the URL is is you know this prefs root accessibility path display auto brightness thing. It it makes a lot of sense when you see it. So good news. You get to see it, folks. It is in our show notes at MacGeekGab.com. Not only do you get to see it, but you can just copy it right from there and paste it into your shortcut so you don't have to worry about typing and getting things exactly right because you do need to get things exactly right. So we will do that, and we will put that in the uh, show notes. But yeah, good stuff. Fun stuff, huh, John? Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Thank you very much, Greg. All right. Well, now I get to talk about HelloFresh again, which makes me super happy. We recently had a couple of nights where all four of us were home before my daughter moved away to Italy and all that stuff. And it was really nice to just make a meal together. And HelloFresh makes it so easy to all collaborate because instead of one person just having the recipe in their head and kind of driving and just getting it done – You've got the recipe on a piece of paper sitting in front of you and everybody can just look at it and say, hey, all right, who's on this step? All right, you got that. I've got this. And it becomes this really collaborative thing. Plus, when you subscribe to HelloFresh, you can check that save money box off your fall to-do list. HelloFresh is 25% cheaper than takeout. And it we've even found it less expensive than grocery shopping because you're only getting the amount of ingredients that you need. And with HelloFresh, those ingredients travel from the farm to your doorstep in less than seven days, so you know they're fresh. Plus, pre-portioned ingredients make cooking a snap, and they cut down on all that food waste. Fall is in the air. Changing seasons means changing tastes. And with 30-plus weekly recipes to choose from, HelloFresh has something for everyone. You can easily customize your meals by swapping proteins or sides, upgrading to choice proteins, or adding protein to a veggie meal. 
And you've probably heard me talk about Green Chef and Every Plate in the past. Well, they're both now owned by HelloFresh. And with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there's something for everyone. It's fun switching between the brands. And now you can enjoy both brands at a discount with us here. Go to HelloFresh.com slash MGG65 and use code MGG65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Make sure you go to HelloFresh.com slash MGG65 and use that promo code MGG65. And thanks to HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit, for sponsoring this episode. All right. Fun stuff. Let's do some questions here, John. And I, uh, I, I, we, I realize that we now have our third David in the show. Well, if you include me, the fourth David. The, so these are the Daves we know here. And David asks, he says, I'm having issues with my download specs. I have Xfinity cable, which offers 600 megabits down. It's connected to a TP-Link deco in a Chicago bungalow with lathe and plaster walls. And he says, my cable modem is a Netgear Nighthawk CM1200. Okay, great. Uh, all good, except the lathe and plaster thing. We'll come back to that. Uh, he says, well, because lathe and plaster makes a Faraday cage, because the way that lathe and plaster works generally, as I understand it, is you put like a metal mesh up and then you slather the stuff and it sort of hangs and, and, and goops onto that. And that, of course, makes a Faraday. The metal mesh makes a Faraday cage, which is not the best for Wi-Fi unless you want to contain it. All right. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> he says, as might not be a surprise based on our little interjection tangent there, the best speed I have seen with a speed test is 120 megabits per second, which is acceptable, but not what I'm paying for. I had a technician come out and, of course, the connection was adequate at the time. The tech told me that he requested a line check which would happen within a week uh, without notifying me. Yesterday, Xfinity emailed me that they just boosted us to 800 down for no extra charge. I waited until I went to bed to restart the modem because that's what you have to do to get the new profile to get the better speeds. And uh, he says, of course, the speed is bad again. I had to restart the modem several times to get decent speeds. And uh, he shared some speed tests with us. And so I'm going to I'm going to share uh, these uh, here too. So the Deco, which is the, the mesh router uh, and system that he's using does its own speed test internal to it. And he says those he, with his new 800 megabit down is getting uh 743 down. Uh, but then when he tests from his uh, Mac, I'm, I'm presuming to fast.com, he's getting 79 down from Ookla's speed test. He's getting 130 down um, clean my max test is getting somewhere between 17 and 70 down. And so he's not getting the speed he's paying for or is he right, John? Uh, because I think this is one of those weakest link in the chain scenarios, right? I, you know, I, his internet connection is certainly involved in these speed tests, but so is his Wi-Fi. And if you just want to test your internet connection, you have to do it with Ethernet because you have to take the other factors out. And in that particular, uh, you know, dwelling, Wi-Fi is going to be a, a huge factor. It's like you're, you're rare. Rarely have I seen Wi-Fi speeds beat about 
500 megabits per second. I mean, I like I've certainly tested on Wi-Fi six up to uh, I've, I've gotten like 900, but it's perfect scenario. Like, you know, I create my own little bubble and I test it and it's like, oh, yeah, that's amazing. But realistically, like in the house and stuff, if I see 450, that's friggin amazing. But I'm not in a house with lathe and plaster. I'm also not in a house that has neighbors right on top of it with other competing, congesting Wi-Fi networks. So you have to test separately. I, I, what, do you have thoughts on this, John? Um, fortunately, the Eero does a test every day. And every now and then I'll look at that. So one thing, yes, I agree with you, is that you got to test it using Ethernet. Uh, uh, the results that I get around the house with with my current uh, first gen Eero, um, I usually get about one fifty. Okay, uh, I'm paying for two hundred, so I'm okay with that. It is it is the one fifty over Ethernet or over Wi Fi? Oh no, I, the, the one fifty is uh, with Wi Fi. Okay, um, if I do it from the computer, or if I look at the uh, the speed test that the Euro does every day, it's like. Yep, you got you're you're getting two hundred down, thirty five up. Great, yeah, okay. So you're getting yeah. So you're you're isolation testing this, and 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 that's an easy way to do it. If you know what your speeds are uh, over an Ethernet connection, then you can you can do a speed test, you know, from your Wi-Fi and and sort of guess the difference. What you won't see in many scenarios, unless you have a super fast upstream connection, is that you probably when you're testing your over Wi-Fi in that scenario, the upstream from your internet provider is probably the limiting factor because your upstream in your Wi-Fi, like uh, amongst your LAN is probably much faster than that 35 megabits per second. Right. I mean, I'm assuming you're hitting that every time when you test over Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you want to test just your local network speeds, uh, I, the way I do it is I use an app, uh, well, a terminal command that you can install with Homebrew called iperf3, I-P-E-R-F-3. Uh, and that works well. Uh, we, I, we put up an article at Mac Observer years and years ago, but it is still, still relevant. I'm looking for it. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, Jim Tannis put it up for us. Uh, MGG Jim, as, as many of us know him. And uh, so I will put a link to that. It it It's from 2015, but I took a look at it the other day and it, like, it's still the same command. You did brew install iperf3 and then, and then you set up one Mac as an iperf server and another Mac as the iperf client. And you can send data in both directions and, and get your tests done um, at my house, John, because I, because I'm a nerd uh, and I'd like to do these tests regularly. I found a, I think it's a Docker package or a Docker container that runs iperf3 as a server on my disk station full time. So I can do it locally on my network, no matter what. I don't have to like set up the server each time on a computer. Uh, but also, if I poke the right hole in my router and I know the secret port from which I've poked the hole, I can do iperf tests from remote. And I think I've even had you do some, right? I think, I think mm-hmm. years ago. So I know I'm a nerd. Yeah, it's just how it goes. So, um, yeah, yeah, you want to, you want to isolation test that. So hopefully, I I mean, and the problem with lathe and plaster is exactly as we said, you might just need more mesh points. I remember helping Brian Chaffin 
when uh, he first got, I think it was a Linksys Velop setup uh, in his, you know, San Jose apartment, which was lathe and plaster. Uh, and he, you know, he got three Velops or something. And this was a relative, it was a one bedroom apartment. It wasn't some, you know, big sprawling, you know, palatial estate or anything, but three Velops wasn't enough. I think he wound up needing four, maybe even five and and he basically did it with line of sight. So he set, you know, the, the one that has to be wherever the, the, you know, the cable modem was. Okay, fine. And then everything else was line of sight from that. So, you know, if he needed to go around a corner to get to the other room, it was like, all right, we'll put one here so that you can shoot through the doorway. And then one, you know, down in the other corner of the room. And, and it became this sort of sprawling thing. But it worked. And it, it worked out all right. Uh, once he did that and and I and his speeds doubled. So David, that might be the answer for you is uh, just, you know, you might have just have to add more mesh points and experiment with the ones that you have, you know, take them and consolidate them so that you can test some of this line of sight stuff and see how it does. In theory, if you're in the room with your router, you should be getting better speeds than you're getting when trying to go through walls. If you're not, then that means that Wi-Fi congestion from your neighbors, presumably, is con a contributing factor here. And that's a tough thing to get around. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Now, another thing you may want to try yes. is to do a site survey to see if your uh, Wi-Fi placement is good or not. Okay. Uh, and what would you use to do that? Well... The, the thing that I've used in the past, I haven't run it in a while. I probably should. Um, NetSpot. And is that still updated? I don't, I, mm -hmm. I, okay. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't used that in a long time, but um, yeah. Tell people how NetSpot works. That's yeah. That's a great thing. Um, uh, basically what you, so it does what's known as a site survey. And um, basically what you do is you give it a map of your place uh, and that was the hardest part is is drawing sure. a map of my place. But I did that and, you know, broke out the ruler and all that. And then once you do that, you then run this program. Um, you run NetSpot and it will basically sample the signal strength at key points or wherever you decide to take a, a sample. It will then uh, show you the signal strength of all the uh from one point on the map, it'll show you the signal strength of all of the access points that it can see. So that can help you determine uh. if your placement is correct. And it also has just a, a general uh, scanner, Wi-Fi scanner. Okay. Uh, other programs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Yeah. All right. That's good. So I'm, I, as you were saying that, and and highlighting sort of the major pain point of doing a site survey, which is you've got to like manually draw your own map in there. Could you import a picture if you already had a map drawn? Like, would it let you import a JPEG and then and then just sort of uh, overlay that? I suppose. Yeah. Okay, so I have an idea because last week I think it was last week, last week or the week before, I mentioned that Ufi X8 vacuum. The robot mm -hmm. vacuum that now like builds maps in, in a very right. So take a screenshot of that and import that into NetSpot. I'm just, just getting the name right as your map. And now you've got a much 
but, but at least you've got a starting point. It might not. I mean, it's going to be pretty accurate. Um, I don't know. That That's kind of that's my thought process on this. <laughs> Always trying to make life easier with nerd tools. So uh, Kiwi Graham says uh, in our chat at live.macgeekab.com, which really just points to our discord. He says uh, NetSpot is uh, will import maps and is now also better than iStumbler just for normal signal uh, signal monitoring. Interesting. Oh, that's good to know. I I gave up on iStumbler a while ago, and I I think it's end of life or something. Like I I yeah, uh, yeah I, I I don't I mean I don't know. I haven't used iStumbler in years. I've been using Wi-Fi Explorer uh, as my as my uh, my you know my Wi-Fi mapper. But good to know that NetSpot will do it too. So. I'll put a link to Wi-Fi. What do you use for your your mapping? Uh, my Stumbler. Okay, I, I bet I like. Does it true. does it still work though? Uh, last I ran it, but it may not under Ventura. So. Yeah, I I I don't. I I think there's some. Yeah, yeah. So, but Wi-Fi Explorer has been great. That um, it's part of setup. If uh, if you have that, so you've already got it. Uh, and then we have a thread, in fact, in our um, in our in our Discord called <laughs> called I Stumbler Replacements, <laughs> uh, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes too, so you can just find that direct there. But someone else recommended uh, Derek in our our chat recommended Air Radar from Coingo Software. Mm. Yeah, so I, I had I had forgotten about Coingo Software. Um, but uh, but he says it works great, and so we've got that too. I will put that in the show notes. So lots of options out there, folks. Good stuff. All right. Hopefully that helps, David. I know it's like probably not the answer you were looking for, but it's the answer you need. No, I don't know. It's hopefully it's helpful. You want to take us to George, John? Yes, George has a travel tip. All right. Uh, now that we're traveling again, or at least some of us are, yeah. um, I'm just back from Japan and listening to the discussion about traveling light, uh, episode 541, prompts me to share this. I spend time in Japan usually once a year. The year This year, in packing to go, I added the Apple extension cord to my MacBook power block to give me more flexibility. Japan is a two-pronged plug, so I didn't need an adapter. Neat. Uh, of course, when I got there, I realized that the power block extension cord was three prong. Oops. <laughs> oh. Luckily, I hadn't left the power uh, the power blocks slide on two prong head at home. But it was a good reminder not to travel too light. Hmm. Sounds like someone uh, across the street from you is traveling in reverse uh, a lot today. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're having a blast over there. <laughs> It's fun. It's like, you know, um, you're, you're, uh, the noise gate that I have on you or the, the, the expander that I have on you cuts it out when you're not talking, which is great. But then you start talking and we hear this like bleeding in. It's like, okay. Oh, you yeah, know, it's fine. I mean, it's fine. It is what it is. It's, we, we live yeah. in a real world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I can't tell them to stop. No. I mean, you could. Oh, well, I could. It, <laughs> yeah. It would, it would waste your and time and annoy the pig. That's right. Yeah. 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 Wait, there's no pain. I mean, the thing is, they know quiet hours in my neighborhood. So our our town, like many, have quiet hours. And they know that they can't get started until 7 a.m. Yeah. 
So 7 a.m. They start right up. So that just means you and I need to record it like 5 a.m. That'll be fine. <laughs> sure. Sure. No, thanks. Yeah, same. Uh, all right. So, yeah, that's. But, but that, that is a good one because I ran into something similar, Dave, when, when you and I did our last travel. Um, I quickly grabbed a cable um, to charge my uh, my MacBook. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't paying attention, and I grabbed a USB-C to lightning cable. Yeah. Um, that doesn't charge a MacBook Pro. <laughs> no. No. But firstly, you and I found that the, the 7-Eleven on the corner did have a USB-C to USB-C cable, so that was really nice of them. Yeah, it was it was a it was an experience going into the the Seven Eleven on the corner, but thankfully they did have that one cable and uh, and yeah, US, USB C to USB C got you rolling. So fascinating, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's always it's worth researching wherever you're traveling. But I would say it's even it's it's even traveling in the U.S. George's tip is a good one to just make sure you have um, a two a, the ability to plug into a two prong outlet because not every outlet in a hotel room or, you know, the lamp by the bed might have an outlet on it. That's only a two prong thing. So I would I would definitely be ready for that eventuality when traveling. So and most of the things that we're plugging in don't need ground anyway. Uh, and I would venture to guess that most of the grounds in hotels probably don't work anyway. So, yep. Fun stuff. All right. Um, we got one from Terry, right, John? Yeah, this was an interesting adventure. Uh, so Terry says, I'm going on a European trip and in preparation, I took a photo of the credit cards I'm taking, my license and my passport to leave with my husband, I was listening to episode 949 and did turn off control center to make my phone more secure on this trip. In tapping around on the lock screen uh, to see what other trouble someone could find, I found that when I swipe to the camera, I or anyone with my phone can get to my photos. And there was a photo of my credit cards, license, and passport. Oops. Um what I did, of course, was to print out the photos and delete them from the phone app. But is there a way to secure my photos from mischievous peeps to keep people from getting the photos from the lock screen? Uh, as a side note, I was driving my Prius when you mentioned resetting the Subaru head by holding down the volume key. So I tried it on the Toyota and it worked. Okay. Oh, that's good to know. So, yeah, that was when I was talking about CarPlay. Um and and needing to reset the head unit in the car to, to like get CarPlay to work, uh, in the Subaru you hold down the volume button until you see it reset, and evidently that is also true of Toyota. So thanks for that bonus tip, Terry. But yeah, let let's let's circle back. Um, so yeah, that that was a good one, and I tried it too, and it's like yeah, sure enough, you know, tap on that, and I I could see my photos. So I'm like, hmm, this is a problem, or is it? Dave. Yeah. Okay. It, yeah. It, what's now, the work? There is. Yeah. Well, there is a way to disable the camera that I found. Um, so it's settings, screen time, content and privacy restrictions, allowed apps, and disable camera. And sure enough, doing that uh, disabled the camera. On the lock screen, 
So I thought that was the solution, but I really don't think it is. Okay. Um, yeah, because that, dis- that disables the camera entirely, right? You just can't use the uh, camera yes. anymore. Okay, got it. Yeah, so this will accomplish your goal. Yeah, but, um, right, right, but yeah, right. I found, yeah, when I did that, um, it removed the camera app from my dock, and I'm like, oh, great, now <laughs> yeah. what? Yeah, your phone just became uh, a phone. So I had to search for the camera app and restore it to my desktop to get uh, uh, permanent access. But then Terry followed up with an amazing uh, fact. Okay. Um, so uh, I found an interesting answer to my question when I was out to dinner with a friend. I handed her my phone and told her to swipe to the camera and look at my pictures. When she did this, she could not see the pictures. Oh. And I replicated this on her phone. So the phone must be scanning my face and allowing only me to see the pictures. It ends up not being a security flaw at all. It's a, quote, feature. Interesting. So that's neat. Okay. So yeah. my verifying the problem, <laughs> it worked for me because it was, it was my... So when you and I get together next, we'll, we'll have to uh, try this. So I'm sure it works the way that Terry said. Yeah. And that, that it must be... Yeah, you doing a, a face ID um, to permit access to that. Got um, it. Got it. All right. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Huh. Okay. I like it. This is good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like it when things just work like that. But it's good to know that they're just working like that because, you know, otherwise it gets... Um, well, it gets, it gets fascinating, doesn't it? And that's what we do here. All right, look, hey, have you checked out Coda yet? This is coda.io slash MGG. We've talked about it on the show a few times before. This is fantastic. They make it so easy. Oh, and by the way, you can do this for free. If your best work is spread out across documents, spreadsheets, and a stack of workflow tools that you have to jump in and out of all day, you need this. Coda is the doc that brings words, data, and teams together. Coda is endlessly customizable and connected. There are copyable templates for anything and everything. You want a product roadmap, remote onboarding, OKR tracking, meeting notes, you name it, Coda has it, and it's all collaborative. It's fantastic. I've been diving in, and I know several of you in the MGG Discord here have been diving in with it, too. We're finding it amazing. Everything in code is synced. So you make an update in a table here, and it automatically shows up everywhere else. No more relying on copy and paste and all that stuff. Your team deserves a tool that adapts to them, not the other way around. So please try Coda. And right now, like I said, you can get started having your team all working together on the same page for free. Head over to coda.io slash MGG. That's C-O-D-A dot I-O to get started for free. Coda.io slash MGG. And our thanks to Coda for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, it's time to talk about Ventura again, and specifically Ventura's system settings app. I, I will say, for, for the most part, like, I don't even notice that I'm using a new operating system on my Mac. Like, when I go to a print dialog, that's different. That's nice. You know, I can edit messages and do all of those things. So, by and large, Ventura has been fantastic. It's, you know, almost a non-event. And and you, you, you get, you know, sort of feature parity with some things. Oh, and by the way, uh, one really nice part about Ventura being out is that 
now continuity camera is a thing. That's the thing where you can use your iPhone to uh, as your webcam, like native to Mac OS. And it also has that desk view thing that uses like the edge of the camera and lots of math to, to do magic uh, and show your desk. But because that's out, there is now Amazon is full and Etsy are full of cottage industry mounts for your continuity camera. Because the Belkin one, quite frankly, looks stupid to me. And I'll it, the reason is it doesn't have any adjustments. It just like it's it's fixed in place. So if you wanted to like be able to grab your phone and angle it or something or even like a regular webcam, you know, it has the little like folding feet kind of thing that lets you set the angle. You don't get to do any of that. It, it's just whatever the angle of your screen is, that's your webcam angle. And I get that that's also the case for your built in webcam, but that's one of the frustrations with the built in webcam. Anyway. You can search on Amazon and just find all kinds of I've I've ordered a bunch and once I find one I'll I'll that I like or more than one I like that I'll then I'll send uh, I'll share the links but uh, but yeah so Ventura is I I don't know what do you think John before we get into system settings here like just like thoughts on uh, you know a week plus with Ventura like just integrated into our lives how how has it been for you um. Not not too traumatic. I mean, yeah. you know, I like the um, you know, the new windowing, uh, center stage, right? Uh, stage manager or stage manager. Center stage sorry. is the thing. No, no, this is Apple's fault. Uh, the, the, uh, stage, sorry, stage manager is the thing. Center stage is the thing that um lets you that like focuses the camera just on your face, even if you move around. That that's what that is. But uh. so tell me about stage manager because I haven't been able to to wrap my head around this how you you like it huh um it 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 basically yeah yeah so so it throws windows um of all the active apps on the left hand of the screen and it takes up a little real estate but when i want to switch to another app it's uh, i like it because it gives you some context and that you can you can see what's happening in the app you know, albeit a much smaller version, sure. uh, but that's kind of neat too because you can see, you know, if some somebody wants attention or if something's moving, if you have a, a video rolling or something like that. Um, so I like I like it for that. Huh? And which um which devices, which Macs are you using Stage Manager on? Um, just my MacBook Pro because I have not yet upgraded this machine, nor do I think I want to. <laughs> yeah, this I, I, I'm I'm waiting for a little bit before I update the the podcasting machine here too. That's just normal for for us. Caution, normal, normal, normal conservative. Yeah, version. I mean it's annoying yeah. now because now it's pestering me with the badge on the. Uh, of course. Uh, system preferences and i can't figure out how to get rid of it we actually had a question about that and i don't know how to get rid of it wait a minute though mine is not pestering me with that badge Ooh. uh have you updated to monterey 1261 on that machine that may be what the badge is about it could be about ventura don't get me wrong i, I i'm but i'm just uh this is on 126 that's why you have a badge so you need to Ooh. do the 1261 update on that yeah 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 yep uh, which is good, like, you know, and it's confusing because when you go in there, the Ventura gets top billing. And then if you like look down, you can see, ah, there's 1261. Ah, other updates are available. Let's see. Okay. Mac OS Monterey 1261. Oh, 
Okay, and Safari, a new version of Safari. Correct. Yeah, you get the new Safari, uh, and uh, let me make sure I get the version number right. You get Safari sixteen dot one on your Monterey Mac. So, which is cool. Okay, uh, uh, so maybe maybe I will do that update. Yeah, do that one, yeah. But let's let's hold off on the on Ventura for our studio mm-hmm. machines for a little bit. I think it'd probably be okay for you. Uh, because your audio device just uses the default Mac OS drivers. Mine does not. Mm-hmm. So I kind of need to wait for that. Let's talk about system preferences. I have, I have questions. I have rants. I am not happy. I went into networking. Well, I went into system settings on not system preferences, system settings on Ventura. And I noticed a couple of things, John. The first thing that I noticed is that, there is both a Wi-Fi and a network preference item. They're not even preference panes anymore, but I'm going to call them preference panes. Why is there both Wi-Fi and network? Because if I go into network, I can see Wi-Fi in there. But if I go into Wi-Fi, all I can see is Wi-Fi. What madness is this? What, what, whose fault is this? Why do you... Who puts things in two places? That's terrible user interface design. I mean, I know Synology does it a bunch in DSM. I'm used to it. I, I will adapt. But WTF? I mean, this is redonkulous. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm not. I'm not happy about it. Uh, yeah. As Brian Monroe points out in our chat at live.macgeekup.com, that's what Microsoft likes to do. This is not Apple. Steve would not be happy about it. this. Would not have been permitted. He wouldn't have let this happen. Stupid. I don't uh, mind the new paradigm. The implementation of the new paradigm is what I mind. It's stupid. Okay. Um, okay. Well, maybe Nick has some advice that could help you, Dave. Sure. Okay. Sure. Ready? I'm, I'm ready for my therapy, man. Yeah, Nick, help. Um, so Nick says, in episode 952, you mentioned the new system settings in Ventura. It does take some getting used to, but just like in iOS, the search box is your friend. Type in whatever setter you're looking for, and the search results will show you the path to get there. So. Okay. Um, and, and Well, he also says, yeah, so I noticed something as well. Um I agree with you about the buried time machine settings. I checked the box to show it in the menu bar so I can get to it easily. Um, but here's something else, Dave, about time machine. Guess what they did? Um, if you click on the options button, so it's not obvious. Yes, I was, I'm, I'm not sure about this new layout either. But if you if you go to the time machine and then click on options, there's a backup frequency setting. Oh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. which they never had before. Um, the thing is, I also use Time Machine Editor, and that still works. But, um, you know, if you if you want to dial it down, because the thing is, uh, Time Machine typically runs every hour, and that may be a bit much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so now I think they have it where you can do an hour, uh, a day a week uh, but but anyways you can you can set the frequency to something other than once every hour yeah let me uh i i i have screen shared to my machine downstairs just so we can uh 
so we can do this. So yeah, you can set the backup frequency, right? You're right. Manually every hour, every day, or every week. I love that, that, you know, like on my laptop, every week is more than enough. Uh, I've been having trouble getting time machine to run consistently on my laptop. I don't know what that's about. I got to dig into that, but, uh, but I do like the idea of it only running once a week. Okay. All right. So thanks that there, there is, see, I'm excited about some of these changes. That's good. I'm about to go back down the deep, dark hole here though. Uh, because I, 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 there's, there's things I don't understand. The other day, I wasn't sure if my Mac was back to putting itself to sleep. It's not. That didn't change. But there were some symptoms that I saw that I thought, oh, well, maybe the installation of Ventura reset the fact that I had my Mac set to stay awake all the time because of all those Thunderbolt problems. I'm going to test it to see if those Thunderbolt problems are gone. Uh, you know, the ones where if it goes to sleep, it wakes up, it doesn't quite see the Thunderbolt devices the right way. And you got to like unplug and reset and hold your mouth just right. It was simpler to just let my Mac uh, stay awake all the time. So I went in where to energy saver. Is that where you would go, John, to, to find this setting? Probably. Sure. Cause you're a reasonable human. You're not insane. Um, so, you know, that's where you would go. Well, energy saver, John has, uh, on my machine has three options. Put hard disks to sleep when possible. Wake for network access. Start up automatically after a power failure. And then because, presumably because I have a UPS plugged into it, uh, I via USB, a battery backup for, for those that didn't quite catch what a UPS is, uh, I have a UPS options button. But that's it. I got three options there in Energy Saver. Not one of them relates to putting the Mac to sleep. How about you on on energy saver on your, your Mac there? You want to just check that for me? Confirm that I am not insane. Although I feel like Apple's trying to drive me that way. Yep. So you're going to check energy saver there for me. Uh, While you're doing that, I figured, okay, maybe it's on lock screen. So did you check energy saver there, John? Um, well, I don't have it here. On your Mac? But if I type in energy, it then highlights battery, battery. and oh. display. And it, and it matches on displays. Look at that. Ah, right. So, there you go. So, I thought I'd look in lock screen because, okay, maybe, yep. And there's turn display off when power adapter went inactive, but there's no turn the Mac off. So, as you pointed out, John, displays is where to go. And not just displays, but displays advanced. And there are, count them, four options in Displays Advanced. The first three have to do with link to Mac or iPad. So this is the whole, you know, push your Mac through the side of the screen and get the other Mac. I turn that off because I, I don't want to be controlling the computer on a different floor of the, the building here. So I, I turned that off and that, I was okay with that. Uh, all, but the bottom one sits alone on an island. And what's the name of the, the, the category that it's in? Energy. Why is this in displays? Because the option is prevent automatic sleeping when the display is off. I feel like we've prioritized the wrong word in that. They're saying prevent automatic sleeping when the display is off. And therefore, displays is where they chose to put this. This is madness, folks. It needs to be an energy saver because what's it doing? Saving or not saving energy. 
But max sleep isn't really display sleep these days. Kiwi Graham said that in uh, in our in our chat room here. He says max sleep is really display sleep these days. That is incorrect. If your Mac, if like putting the display to sleep is great, but there is a separate max sleep. And that was the whole thing with that Thunderbolt problem. Like it does put the Mac to sleep or not. And uh, why is this buried here? I just don't. Apple, what are you doing to me? Why are you doing this to me? I feel, I feel, um, I feel like they've targeted me, John. I'm not happy about it. We've got one last thing about Ventura settings that might maybe help some of us, John. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, the voice of reason. So Tony says, um, "Oh, interesting." Uh, Tony uh, moved from Osaka to Mexico. All right, it used to be Tony in Osaka. Now he's Tony uh, in Quiritaro. Uh, uh, I don't know how, how to pronounce that. I think that's right. Quere, quere taro. Thank you, yeah, John. You gotta, right. gotta, yeah, you're right. Well, there's that accent over the E. But anyways, um, listening to Mac Geek App 952 and installing Ventura simultaneously. It's <laughs> dangerous. Um, a more familiar view of system settings can be found in system settings, menu bar, view. The, if you do this, you'll then have an alphabetical listing of all the available system settings. Oh. That's nice. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> that makes it easier to find them if you know what, what pain things are in. All right. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. And then what cracked me up is at the end of it is his email. Um, my Spanish isn't very good, but, but he says, No te dejes atrapar. Aha, very nice. Oh, I like that. You know what that means? I think I do. I think I've said that on the show, but it's been like a decade. Okay. Yeah, I think that's don't get caught, man. Correct. (laughs) Is that right? Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Why did we say that on the show? Who knows why we do things on the show? Because it's fun and we got to have some fun. That's how life works. There's all kinds of things that we can do to have fun. John, I want to, the, well, there's two things I want to do, but uh, I, I, you got a new toy that we are definitely going to talk about in a minute here. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, when it comes to covering all things tech, boy, do we have a podcast for you every week. This Week in Tech gives you a no-holds-barred deep dive into how big tech influences our culture and our lives. Join twit.tv's Leo Laporte and their ever-changing panel of journalists and experts every Sunday as they, and I'm on the show, so sometimes as we, break down and often disagree on the latest tech. Subscribe to This Week in Tech wherever you get your podcasts. And our thanks to Leo and the team for doing this swap with us. All right, John, it's time because your watch finally arrived. Uh, yeah, so that was the fun part. So uh, you and I ordered it when we were um, uh, in the city um, a while back. And um, and we got it from Amazon. Yep. And then yeah, you sent got, me a notification. The, the Amazon Prime Day deals on it. It was, uh, it was a good deal. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, you, you know, they delivered it using their courier. And you sent me a, a picture. Well, so what they do is they usually take a picture of, you know, the package on your doorstep. Sure. And so you sent me a notification saying, hey, it, it's there. 
And I'm like, okay. So I, you know, look on my porch and yep, there's a box and it's addressed to my neighbor. <laughs> uh oh. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so I put the box on their stoop because it was the house next to me. And then I called them up or, or you know, I chatted with them. You gave me all the info and I chatted like, with uh, Amazon. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah, it didn't arrive. And they're like, oh, yeah, no. And they're like, is this the item? And it's like, you know, Apple Watch Series 8. But I'm like, yep, that's it. And they're like, oh, yeah, uh, we'll ship you another one. Great. I'm like, okay, well, I didn't get the first one. <laughs> yeah, an an another one. Right. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's an odd, though, because the picture had my house number on it, like in big, huge numbers. And it was not the number on the box. So, right. I don't know. Pay attention, guys. <clears throat> Yeah, I guess I don't know if you gave feedback saying boo. Yeah, oh I oh I yeah, I did. Yeah, for sure. I I I would assume that Amazon's cuz they take that picture with like their their little device or whatever. And and I would assume that it's using GPS to confirm that they are where they should be. But if it was your neighbor, your houses are relatively close together so the GPS has to be given a little bit of fudge factor. Because other, otherwise, it probably would have said, uh, no, 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 to the driver, like, wrong address, you know, so, yeah. And when I run certain apps, they will sometimes give me the number of the house either to the right or to the left of me. Of course. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. So, anyways, but then it finally came, uh, and it was the right address. So, uh, <laughs> so tore it open, took the watch out, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to dive right in. So the first thing, though, I, I, I just is, want to say I, 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 I want you to keep rolling. I just want to make sure that that newer listeners know this is your first entry into the world of Apple Watch. Thus far, you, you have had no Apple Watch prior. So this is your first Apple Watch. OK, keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So the first thing I did was to put on the band and dude, the mechanism for putting on a band is awesome. It makes it fun, doesn't it? Like, I, it makes it. Well, I'm just like, you know what? I think I could figure this out. And I just snapped it in and it just, you know, clicked. And it's like, and, and then I put it on. The fit is perfect. It's actually better than my other watch. Amazing. Um, yeah, it makes it makes having multiple bands easy and fun, which is something I never would do yeah. with my other watches. Yeah. Now, here, the, the interesting part is, as with many toys, if you have to force something, don't do it. Because I was like. Oh, how how do I remove it? <laughs> ah. I actually had to I actually had to research this online. So there's a, there are little buttons on the watch that are used to release the band. Yeah. So don't force it. <laughs> Never force anything. If if it doesn't move and it should, then you're doing something wrong. You're doing probably. it wrong. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So the setup was real easy. Um you know, the watch, it, it, it's like a lot of other things. Uh, but, so it came up and it said, yeah, you, you uh, put a phone near me. I'm like, okay. And once it noticed that there was a phone near it, it then put, uh, you know, the sparkly pattern on the watch, which I guess is getting the, you know, Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or, or some some credentials. Yes. And, and then there it goes. All right, so um, now that you've got it set up, you're using it. What, like, what are some of the pros and pro and con? Like, what are some of the things you've noticed about wearing a watch? Because for so many of us, you know, we've had watches for years, 
Mm-hmm. And and there are like there's probably some things that that we've learned along the way that are helpful for you. But I, I feel like you sort of stepping into this with beginner's mind with fresh eyes, you're going to notice some things that the rest of us overlook. Um, the one thing that I thought was kind of weird. So, so the first thing that I wanted to try was, um, so, you know, I went out and about and just used it as, as a watch. Sure. Um, but here's the first thing I tried. So this watch can measure your heart rate. It can do a EKG uh, or ECG or ECG. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and oxygen level in your blood. And I'm like, oh, cool. I'm like, okay. Um, well, let, let me run the apps to do that. And so I look on the watch. Um, learning how to do an app view is to press the button, not the crown. Um, and I'm like, where, where, where's the app for this? And it's like, oh, well, you know, you. Uh, I then looked online for guidance, so I couldn't figure it out. And they're like, oh, yeah, you may want to get the uh, the watch app. <laughs> So you needed to install the O2 sensor app from Apple. It didn't just come on the watch. No, no, uh, the the app. Um, none of the apps appeared. I had to run something on my phone uh, in order to enable the app to appear on the watch. So huh. that was kind of weird. It is weird. Yeah. Uh, but they all work, you know, it's, it, it's really, nice. uh, the, the other reflection is that it didn't come with a bunch of watch faces and, and it looks like what's happening is that the phone over time populates certain data on the watch without really telling you that it's doing it. Yes. That was going to be one piece of advice I had for you was, um, I, I find it maddening uh, that when I go into, I also find it maddening that updating to iOS 16.1 on my iPhone removed or defaulted to the show only four suggestions when you search instead of the, the show more, which is show eight. So um, I just had to turn that on because I just updated to 16.1. But if you go into the watch app uh, and I believe you go, yes. So go to the watch app and go to general Mm-hmm. automatic app install is I believe on by default. And quite frankly, I can't deal with my watch being super cluttered with apps that I'm never going to use on my watch. So I have that turned off now and, and it always drives me crazy when it winds up getting turned back on. So that that's one piece of advice. Again, we're all different humans. Some of you may love having automatic app install and I get it. I install too many things on my phone for that to be a realistic world to live in. If I want something on my watch, I'll, I'll happily just, you know, tell it to put it there. And you would do that then by going into settings. Uh, and I believe it's, yeah, if it just scroll down to the watch or go into the Apple watch app and scroll down to the bottom and you'll see the apps that are on your watch that you can remove and the apps that aren't on your watch that you can install. So, yeah. Um, the other thing, um, that I learned is that I want fewer notifications. Yes. It's <laughs> so like, for yes. example, running on my computer, I, I get a, so I have Apple news, so I'll get Apple news alerts, but then it also sent that alert to the 
the uh, the watch. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's too annoying. I don't okay. need to know that piece of information on yep. the watch. Yep. <laughs> yep. So did you just go into to watch on your phone, watch and the the watch app and then notifications and then just go set mm-hmm. individual yeah, because it'll mirror yeah. alerts from your phone by default for everything, and you can start to turn those off. If mm-hmm. you, yeah, okay, so you just like turned it off for news or whatever. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I had to, uh, and, and then what I usually do with my phone. So I decided to try this when I was out and about. So one nice thing is that it um. It transferred over one app that I used called StowCard, which lets you store your your uh, uh, loyalty cards. Okay, sure. And we'll display the barcode. And I'm like, you know what? Let me see if I can use my watch to uh, to both let them scan uh, for stores that, that scan it, like our grocery store. Uh, let me do that. Um, let me display the barcode and then do Apple Pay with the watch. And that worked great, too. Um, I had to go through the setup process with the watch in that, you know, you had, I had to enter the uh, CCV for all my cards over again. And I was like, what a pain in the neck. Yes. (gasps) Ah, yes. I'm sorry. Here's the other thing I noticed the wallet initially. Yeah. So, so this is the thing that stuck in my mind about transferring over stuff. When I added my cards to the wallet and then I went to the wallet on the, on the watch, only my cards were there. I'm like, well, well where's my other stuff? <laughs> oh, right. Eventually, it transferred it over. Um, yeah, I so that was kind of weird too. Is uh, uh, again, things things are starting to appear on the watch that weren't there when I initially set it up. They're also coming to take you away, haha. Uh, the uh, yeah, although that's the fire truck, I know. Yeah, based on how it's been today, I think they're coming to take me away. Uh, <laughs> one. One thing to be aware of is that when you put your cards on your watch, the same as when you put them on your phone, uh, they get a different number. So, you know, there's the number that's on your card and then the one that's on your phone that your phone advertises to like, you know, kiosks is a different number, but still yours. And the one on your watch is yet another different number. And where this gets to be very important is um, if you are doing something where you are being sort of tracked, uh, hopefully intentionally and and with permission uh, for your purchases and where it mattered for us was when we visited London. And I, and I think New York will do the same thing when you're using the subways there or in London, of course, called the tube. You get a discount if you ride, if you're based upon the frequency with which you ride. But that discount is applied specifically to your credit card number. So if you're going back and forth using your watch and your phone, you you will you will qualify separately from each device for that discount uh, is really how it's done. Uh, So and New York probably does the same thing because there's no account that you create. You just Um, tap your phone and you go. Yes, there is actually okay you can get an account for their payment system got it and does that does it know actually when i did that it then showed what cards i had used recently Mm. all right like it had it had my amex in there which is 
the card that I have set up as my travel card, and, and it showed up. How? So, did- yeah, so you could get a, uh, is it O-M-N-Y? Okay. All right. So just be aware, there might be some places where it matters. It seems like in but, the but, New York but, subways. But you are right, because um, it depends on the credit card vendor. So, for example, I bought something with my watch on my city card, on one of my city cards. Okay. Um, when I looked on my phone, the transaction did not appear there. But when I bought something using my watch and my Amex, it did appear on the phone. So I, I, I think it's it's really up to the bank. Yeah, the bank. How they hand if if they. It, it was just funny that it didn't see that the watch app or, or the the uh, iOS app didn't see the transaction. Uh, for one card, but it did for another. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So just be aware that, that numbers are different. Um, it may or may not matter. Um, and the other, yeah. And, and the other thing I learned, uh, and it was funny because one, one of the stores I went to, I tried using my watch to pay and she's like, uh, do it face down. <laughs> that helped. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You have to twist your wrist. I will recommend not using your watch for boarding passes uh, when when getting on airplanes. Mm-hmm. It like it has not been the. It, it's been a disaster every time. It's like you know you you got to hold your wrist at a weird angle or it needs to be at certain distance from the camera that's scanning it and it's just. It's still much easier to use my phone when getting on airplanes. So um, I share that here. Yep. Uh, what cool. else is neat? Um, well, folks, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, if something else comes to mind, please share. But folks, send in your your tips for everything, but specifically your watch tips uh, to feedback at MacGeekGab.com. We'd love to hear from you. I think you said feedback at MacGeekGab. I said feedback at MacGeekGab.com. And what I accept, some of you get to use a different email address, and that email address is premium at MacGeekGab.com. And I want to take a minute to thank the premium subscribers that uh, that I that I that we know about because we don't get to know about all of you. But uh, those of you that have subscribed at MacGeekGab.com slash premium, I want to take a minute to thank everybody whose contributions have come in recently. So Joe from Aventura, 50 bucks. Thank you. Dominic from Luxembourg, 25 bucks. Jeff from Chesterson, $10. Bill from Duxbury, $10. Michael from Wake Forest, $25. James from Melville and Joseph from Marietta, each with $10. Thank you. Thank you to everybody. Charles from Kobe. $25. Gary from McKee's Rocks, $25. Stephen from Plainfield, $10. Valentine from Shenley with $100. Thank you. Nick from Mount Clemens with $10. Thomas from Chicago. Ken from somewhere. Kiaran from St. George's Basin. Chris from Nailswouth Stroud. Steve from Santa Fe. And Laura from Spoken Valley each with $25. Thank you. Barbara J from Hanahan with $30 as well as D from Kansas city. And Charles from Mechanicsburg, Jane's from Charlotte, each with $25. Ken from North Las Vegas with $10 and Richard from Salem with $50. Thanks to everyone who uh, contributes to our premium. It really does make a difference here. We super appreciate it. Uh, 
We have, as we mentioned, we are experimenting with integrating Apple podcast subscriptions here. I'm not convinced that this is a good experiment. I'm really curious to hear from all of you. Apple Podcasts operates under a very different sort of mindset than what we do here, which, you know, what we do here, we never had a name for it. But in the podcasting world, in, in general, what we do here and what we've been doing for over a decade is what's called value for value, where we put out the show. And if you choose to send us something, the amount is up to you. And even and and, and zero is is acceptable. You know, it's all totally fine. Uh, with Apple, we have to set fixed pricing and we have to give something. And it's I, I, like I'm not I'm just not convinced that this is it, it's a good fit for us. But we're trying it. We're experimenting. Ralph asks, I'm a premium listener and I also use the Apple podcast app, but it's asking me to subscribe now via Apple podcast. But I already subscribe on a biannual plan to at MacGeekUp.com slash premium. Can I still use the Apple Podcasts app? And yes, the answer is yes. Absolutely. There's nothing. Uh, the only thing that Apple Podcast subscriptions at the moment get that is different is we're putting the episode audio out there in early access. But it doesn't have chapters because Apple doesn't let, that, let us do that with subscriber audio. We can do it with the regular audio from the feed. So you can have the show a couple days in advance. We are looking into a way of allowing that to happen for all premium subscribers because it's, we've heard from a few of you that, that you would actually like to have the audio in advance. It's always out there. It's definitely always available on Facebook. Once we've recorded the show, it's there. Um, the audio file is always going to be there. If you look at the, the name of an audio file for, um, for any Mac Geek Gab, you can see the URL structure and the date naming scheme is always the same. So you just replace, you know, last week's date with, uh, with next week's date and boom, there's going to be the show if it's up. I mean, it might not be up because it can only exist after we recorded it, but we are looking into like the right way to put together a feed for those of you that would want it that way. Um, and I'm, and we're happy to do that, of course. So no, you don't have to use that. Um, we are getting quite a bit through fountain, uh, which is, uh, the sort of podcasting value for value um, paradigm where you use the Bitcoin lightning network to send us notes. And we very much appreciate all the uh, contributions that we're getting there. Val 60 uh, sent us a nice little boost to Graham, thanking Lucas for getting everything rolling. Yeah, absolutely. He was, I mean, he made it happen. I, I just sort of guided the project, but he, he did the grunt work of figuring out how to get all the Docker containers talking to each other and set up in the first place and talking to the Lightning Network, which meant talking to the Bitcoin Network. We have a full Bitcoin node running here in the office. It's crazy, but, you know, it's fun. So, yeah, please, uh, if you're using it that way, um, let us know. We'd, we'd, you know. we'd love to hear from you. And you can send us a boostergram or you send us an email. So premium at MacGeekGab.com. Everybody that contributes in whatever way you contribute, if you consider yourself a premium subscriber, thank you. You are a premium subscriber. It's just how it works. Everybody gets to use premium at MacGeekGab.com. That's, that's for anybody who contributes in any way that, that you think makes you a premium subscriber. This is a self-defined thing. It's not up to us to define it. It's up to you. So whatever frequency you choose, whatever amount you choose, Whatever method you choose to contribute, uh, and you know, I mean, we've have 
we have some people that contribute like Corey for has been maintaining the Mac ECAB app for years. He's a premium subscriber like that. You know, it's just how it works. So however you participate, if you, if you consider yourself one, you are one and thank you. All right. Where are we here, John? Oh, I think, do you, do you have anything to add to any of that before we, uh, before we move on? Um, thank you for your support. There it is. Yeah. Perfect. Um, we are short on time, but I did want to share a couple of things. And John, this first one might be of great interest to you. Uh, listener Ed uh, wrote in sort of chiming in on our discussion about MagSafe chargers and the three in one chargers that we've been finding. I talked about the one that I got from 12 South. Uh, I also talked about the one that I got from uh from belkin and pete mentioned the one that he found sort of the off-brand one that he found on amazon and the one difference between pete's you know 40 dollar one and the 100 and 150 dollar ones that i found is the light doesn't light on on pete's inexpensive one stays on all night and that's no bueno well to the rescue comes listener ed with this fantastic magnetic charger i my guess is they don't have the magsafe approval from apple because that would add like 50 bucks to the cost and it's only 40 dollars. i bought one of these for lisa because she saw all the ones that that i that we were using in the house and sky took one to italy with her so lisa couldn't commandeer that one uh but uh she's like oh wait i want that and this one that ed found is 40 bucks it's it's a three-way charger, meaning it'll charge your phone with, you know, the, the MagSafe connector. Your Apple Watch sits on the back. It can charge your AirPods. It's got a cheap pad on the bottom of it. If you want to charge your AirPods, you can. But it is tiny. It takes up, like, less room on your desk than a phone would. And it has a button on it, John, that lets you turn the light off. And it is off-off. It's not, like, on dim or anything. No, man. It is off and it's 40 bucks on Amazon. So it's linked from the show notes. It is, it's from the Pilita store. P-I-L-I-T-A is the, the brand name showing up on Amazon, but just go to the thing. I bought this. <laughs> I did a risky thing, John. Uh, among other things, I bought this as an anniversary present because Lisa and I last Monday uh, celebrated our 24th wedding anniversary. And I think she might like this better than the bracelet that I got her. So, you know, there you go. I had to get the bracelet, though, because the stones for the 24th were tanzanite, and she likes tanzanite, and the color is lavender. So I, you know, sort of found that. Technically, the 24th anniversary is the music anniversary or the musical instrument anniversary. Every other anniversary gift I've gotten has got has to do with music, including for our 20th, which is the platinum, I think, anniversary. I, I uh, got her a... Uh, a, a platinum Elvis Presley record because Elvis, as John knows, uh, walked Lisa down the aisle at our wedding or at least someone who approximated <laughs> Elvis. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. So that's, uh, that's one introduction to cool stuff found. Do you have any cool stuff found to, uh, to report John? Um, we should do a bunch of cool stuff found next week. I've got, I've got a ton in the queue here. So, I will, while you're thinking, I will, I will note that Michael, the author of the shoot app that we mentioned last week that lets you use your iPhone as a camera with your Mac, 
uh, separate from continuity camera. I said it would be great to use shoot alongside reincubates camera. So you could have multiple cameras going. Guess what? Michael tells me that shoot already does multi-cam. So if you have multiple iPhones, boom, you can use them. And uh, yeah. So thank you for sharing that with us, Michael. Good, good stuff. You got anything for today, John, or, um, um, I may, I, I actually ordered Apple's, uh, dual charger. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah. It's, it's not cheap, nope. but, um, yeah. Uh, the one reflection I have is the charger that comes with the watch doesn't really instill a feeling of confidence in that I'm like, wow, this thing's really cheap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just sort of how it is. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, uh, we'll keep that on the list. Let us know next week um, after it arrives, how you think of it. Do you, you didn't get it yet. Did you? The Apple one? Um, I ordered it yesterday. So you, okay. It, it's yeah. on the way. It's on the way. Yeah, of course. All right. We'll talk about that next week. That's great. Yeah. We'll do a lot of cool stuff found next week. I think that's going to be, uh, it's going to be important for us. So, all right. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. Make sure you go check out Pilot Pete's new aviation podcast, So There I Was. A great big thanks to Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. A great big thanks to all of you for listening and subscribing and telling people about the show. It makes a huge difference. Please, 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 reviews. We want your reviews. Go to uh, MacGeekUp.com slash reviews. Uh, and or you can just go to Apple Podcasts and review us there. We would love to have your reviews. And if you've done a review in the past... And it's been more than six months. You can add a little update to it. And then that counts as a new review. And that helps. It's good. I like it. Thank you. Make sure to check out our sponsors. MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors. We keep all those links up to date. Uh, but also Coda.io slash MGG. And HelloFresh.com slash MGG65. All right. That's it. Another one in the can. I hope. We recorded this, right? Uh-oh. John, do you have anything to say to them? Um, yes, I do. And what I have to say is don't get caught. Made on a Mac. Happy Halloween, everybody. See you next week.